Welcome to Common Thread. We hope you find these lessons helpful, but also we'd like to get to know you. If you go to our website slash newcomer, we'll send you an email, some things to read about the community, and an invitation to a personal chat. If you're here in Raleigh, maybe face-to-face. If not, on Zoom. We hope you will. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. Okay, here's the lesson. It's in a real way about that prayer. I want to see the love all around me. I want to reiterate again before we begin how much I love you and how much I love being part of this community. Today we're going to talk about gossip. But we are not going to talk about gossip because our community has a problem with gossip. Uh, We are not going to talk about that because you are very careful with your words. You are very supportive. You are very kind. And I thank you. You do protect one another with your words. And you do it fiercely. And again, thank you. You've made it normal in our community that not having a false self was never an option. Uh, Thank God for Robin who taught us the Enneagram. And thank God that she helped us see that every personality type has a gift. It does. But every time that gift is just the flip side of the curse. So we all have both gift and curse and there was no way to not have that. And so why would we hide our shadow sides away? Why would we cower behind some misdirected shame or some misdirected embarrassment? Because that's not how we grow and that's not how we develop. And you have made that normal in our community. And so yeah, I do, I love being part of this community. I'm doing a writing project right now. It's important things that we've learned together through the years. And somebody said, Doug, you ought to include this. You ought to include this thing that a safe community is a brave community. They'd heard it somewhere. And they said, this, that's been my experience here in our community. Well, you've made it that. And one of the primary ways that you do that, we don't gossip. We don't do that. So today's lesson is about gossip, but it isn't in order to challenge some bad behavior. It's more to point us toward an even greater possibility. What could we aspire to? How could we live at an even more elevated way, in a way, plane? Now, if you grew up the way I grew up, there's only one answer to today's question, am I gossiping right? And the answer has to be no. (laughs) The answer has to be that because there's no such thing as a right way to gossip because gossip is always bad. That's what I was taught. So I grew up with a rule. Here's the rule. Don't do it. Don't ever do it. Now, I will say I'm really glad I was taught that rule because we're going to see today uh, it has great benefit to it. But I also think we're going to need a little broader context to have some understanding to go with the rule. I grew up on texts like this one. Uh, Gossip is wicked. Don't be wicked. (laughs) Gossip stirs up trouble, don't stir up trouble. Gossip breaks friendships, don't break friendships. Don't do it, don't ever do it. Now again, I'm really glad I was taught that rule. It has served me very, very well. I hope I taught it to my kids. I sure tried to teach my kids, don't do it, don't ever do it. But here's the thing. The rule doesn't give us very much context. It doesn't give us much understanding. Uh, It's a good start. But if we're going to aspire to more than just don't do it, don't ever do it, we're going to need some broader understanding. 
Because here's what the rule leaves out. Gossip is wired into our bodies and wired into our brains the same way that the impulse to eat sugar and to eat fat is wired into our bodies and into our brains. Our bodies were designed to crave sugar and fat. And when we eat them, we feel good. We eat them and we get a little squirt of dopamine in our brains, that motivation chemical that says, hmm, do that again. The chemical tells us, hmm, do that more often. Fat and sweet feel good in our mouths. And so does gossip. It feels good in our mouths. Mmm. <laughs> Share a juicy tidbit about somebody's misfortune. Share a juicy tidbit about somebody's bad behavior. It feels good in our mouths. Be in the know and then tell somebody what you know. Pfft, squirt a dopamine and it feels good. A professor at Oxford back in the late 90s did a study. His name's Robin Dunbar. He did a study eavesdropping on a whole bunch of human conversations, and he found that 65% of human conversation is about some kind of a social topic. We talk about other people two-thirds of the time that we talk. <laughs> well, when you see a number like that, I think it's important that we have some understanding of what's going on. What's going on behind that number? What's driving all those conversations about other people? Well, it turns out there is great benefit to the species when we talk about other people. There's great benefit to the species when we gossip. So what is the benefit? We need to know what a benefit accrues to us as a social species when we gossip. Well, two benefits. Here's the first. Gossip is a way that human beings learn and share what we learn. When we gossip about what happens to other people, we teach each other what works, but mostly we teach each other what doesn't work. When we talk about the misfortunes of others, our conversations warn us and warn each other, don't do that. Don't repeat that potentially harmful behavior. Now, I've mentioned this thing that I taught my kids, said it a lot, raising them. I've said it several times. Stupid people don't learn from their mistakes. <laughs> Smart people learn from their mistakes. Brilliant people learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> and here's the thing. Gossip can make us brilliant, help us learn from other people's mistakes. And if we do, if we gossip and if we learn, then what we're going to do is we're going to avoid the pitfalls we're going to avoid the dangers. We're going to avoid the bad things that could happen. And that makes it more likely that we are not going to die. And if we are more likely to not die, then we're going to be more likely to have babies. Thus, passing along our social aptitude to talk about other people. And so consequently, you and I, after all these generations that have gone before us, carry the accumulated genetic selection for social conversation. We are naturally inclined to talk about other people. And we experience that accumulated genetic selection as a good feeling that we get when we have gossip in our mouths. When we tell each other, when we hear from each other about other people's misfortunes, when we tell each other, when we hear from each other about other people's bad behaviors, it actually feels good in our bodies. Now here's another thing about natural selection. Harmful things are more likely to harm. 
write that one down. Harmful things are more likely to kill us than good things. Consequently, this many generations later, it feels especially good when we talk about the bad things that other people do. The bad things that happen to other people. So, did you talk about the slap? I bet you did. <laughs> we, carry, we care a whole lot more about bad stuff gossip than we do about good stuff gossip. We're a lot more interested in why a coworker got fired than we are in why a coworker became employee of the month. Gossip helps us learn, but it especially helps us learn from the mistakes that other people make. And given how our brains work and given how our bodies work, the way that we carry that accumulated genetic uh, selection is that it feels good. It feels natural to us. There's a draw for it, a drive to do it. Because, mmm, gossip feels good in our mouths. Do more of that. Now there's a second benefit to gossip. It's a mechanism that helps human beings cooperate. I bet that sounds counterintuitive to you, but here's kind of how it goes. In the early human settlement, when we lived in small groups, gossip could help build social cohesion. Because when people gossip about other people, we share information. It's a very low energy, easy way to monitor behavior in the group. Now for us to survive as hunter-gatherer bands, we all needed to cooperate. We all needed to share. We all needed to be fair. We all needed to treat each other well. And gossip monitors how members of the group are doing. It keeps up with who's sticking to the group's shared norms and who's deviating from them. So when 65% of our conversations are about other people without realizing that we're doing it, what we're actually doing is levying pressure on each other to behave. Behave because we're watching. And behave because we're talking. <laughs> now, there's a social cost when people notice our bad behaviors. They become less generous toward us. It just happens. There's a social cost. They become less forgiving of us. They become less likely to see the best in us. Hey, we see you not pitching in over there. We see you not working together. We see you not treating us well. We see you looking out for yourself, not for everybody. We see you. And social standing declines. And social standing is kind of important to us. It's one of our deeper felt needs. We want to be thought well of. Because when we are thought well of, when we have good standing in the group, we share the benefits of the group. So gossip then becomes a mechanism for reinforcing collective, shared, good for the group norms. Working together norms, cooperating norms, good for the whole, not just for me norms. Gossip acts as pressure pressure to bring people back into the community, back from behaving just for the good of themselves, back to behaving for the good of the whole, back to bringing the outlier back into the fold. So again, those are two noble objectives, learning what's dangerous, working for social cohesion. Consequently, they feel good. 
the accumulated experience of those gone before us, when I share somebody's bad behavior, when I share a norm violation, when I share somebody's misfortune, some bad things that happened, that has happened to somebody, it feels like I'm actually helping out the group, and sure enough, squirt of dopamine, plenty of that, do more. But here's the thing, you know, just like I do, <clears throat> for all of those lofty words about gossip, <laughs> that's not the whole story. That's not the whole thing. Uh, here's the thing about sugar and about fat. Yeah, they do feel good in our mouths, and for good reason. Back in the days when they were rare, the drive to get them, the hunger to feel good when we had them, actually helped us survive. But now, the very drive that kept us alive kills us. Some decades ago, we saw this was happening, and we made a new rule. All that fat, it's killing us, so no more fat. Stop eating fat. And because we didn't understand the broader context, we just had one rule, and now we've got a new rule. We stopped eating fat. But one of the things that we stopped eating was some fat that we really needed in our bodies. And you've probably heard by now how we need the healthy fats. Because rules without understanding do that. That happens when we just pass a rule and we don't understand the context behind it. Well, the same thing is true with gossip. Before we can ask if we're gossiping right, we need to understand those two important functions, the two benefits of learning and creating social cohesion, because we want those benefits. We want to learn from one another. We want to reinforce everybody working for the good of everybody. We want to be drawing outliers back into the tribe. We want to work together for the good of the whole. But maybe <clears throat> there's a better way to get there than what we commonly call gossip and the burn the place downside that gossip often brings with it. I'm sure you've seen that side of gossip. Maybe we can do better than don't do it, don't ever do it. Okay, here are the questions that we're going to talk about after the lesson, give you some time to be thinking. You're going to hear today about two aspects of gossip. One you just heard, those two important function, and the other is the Chernobyl wasteland side of gossip. So what I'd like you to do when we get together is talk about your experiencing of gossiping, your experience of gossiping or being gossiped about. And ask yourself the question, did either of those two functions happen? Did you learn from others talking about you or did the people that you talked about learn? Did, were you brought back into the fold as people were talking about you or the person that you gossiped about? Were they uh, brought back into the fold? And let's think about those two functions and then compare our experience with what we're talking about today. Okay, so now when we hear the word gossip, our minds usually go to, that's bad. Or it, at best it goes to guilty pleasure. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to feel bad about doing it. <laughs> Because gossip stirs up trouble, it does. Gossip breaks friendship, it does. But we all know it does a lot more damage than that. So thank you, natural selection. A little bit of pain to help us learn, a little bit of pain to gently nudge us back into, to shape up, to start flying right. But how many gossipers understand those two mechanisms? How many times when gossip happens, is it an attempt to achieve those two objectives? None of the times. 
How many gossipers intentionally gossip to help other people learn? Or intentionally gossip to bring others back into the fold? None ever. When we gossip, what we're doing is we're reacting to chemical surges in our bodies. We're being driven mindlessly by the dopamine reward system. Yes, it did help us survive in one context in the past, but in our current moment in history, it does a lot more damage than it does good. And worse, because we're doing it mindlessly, because we're doing it driven by chemicals, because we're being driven by impulses to make us feel good, we are not, when we gossip, acting from our best selves. We're usually acting from the dark parts, the shadow side parts, the ego self parts. We're using some tool, some gossiping tool, not for learning or social norming, we're using it to calm a fear inside of us. Maybe it's the fear that we're not valuable or we're not respected. We use the tool to ingratiate ourselves to our listeners, to make it feel like inside we belong because we actually wonder if we do belong. We fear that we don't, we fear that we aren't, we fear that we can't be, and so we use gossip to distract ourselves from bad feelings about ourselves, to feel like we're important, to feel like we're in the know, to move up the social pecking order. At our worst, sometimes we use it to actually intentionally harm someone else because they've harmed us. So the context and the motivation in which gossip happens makes it very difficult to achieve those two lofty natural selection objectives. Nobody sharing a juicy tidbit is thinking, yeah, this is going to help avoid future danger. <laughs> Nobody th sharing a juicy tidbit is thinking to themselves, yeah, this is going to help create greater group cohesion. No. When we're gossiping, we're chasing chemicals, usually in service to some ego strategy, which is why, as rules go, don't do it, don't ever do it, not a bad one makes a very clear delineator. Sure, the impulse rises. Sure it does. But don't do it. Don't ever do it. Now here's what the rule makers understood. We don't know how to calibrate the impact of our words. But worse, when we're under the influence of dopamine, we don't care. In that moment, it's not about learning, and it's not about social cohesion. It's about a chemical feel-good social cohesion actually be damned. Make me feel good. So, don't do it. Don't ever do it. It's a good rule. Now today, living in the non-hunter-gatherer contexts that we do, most of the time, the damage that gossip causes far, far, far outweighs the benefits. Because in our context, we don't depend upon each other for survival. So here's the thing. Back in the days when natural selection was imprinting gossip in our brains, we did depend upon one another to survive. And that formed a balancing force that is no longer present in our times and in our lives. So yes, gossip would cause one another some social pain. But we also desperately needed one another to get back into the tribe and to do it quickly because our lives depended upon each other. We needed their hunting, we needed their gathering, we needed their snake spotting, we needed them, we needed to help us avoid falling into a pit. We needed them in the tribe. So gossip and 
bring them back. Both were present at the time when this instinct was being imprinted into our brains. But today, our lives do not depend on 40 to 60 people. We don't need their help to survive. Now, we can cause social pain, we can chase somebody out, and then we can leave them out there in the cold while we move on and find somebody else. Consequently, in our context, gossip words usually don't nudge people back into the fold. They usually just destroy people, and then we move on. Gossip words do break relationships, sometimes beyond repair. They do alienate potential allies. They do break down the strength of community. In our context, gossip words plant the idea in other people's minds that that person, that complex human being, the one who just behaved badly, that person is their worst day. That is who they are. And then we lock in that characterization, and then we abandon them for that characterization. And because in our society we don't have to depend on them, it's easy to leave them abandoned and move on. In our context, gossip words stir up hostility and then it's easy to move on. In our context, gossip will incite rejection and then it's easy to move on. In our context, gossip can damage people's sense of worth and their sense of value, and it can alienate, and it can destroy, it can break the group, and then it's easy to move on. We've had a rise of gossip TV and media in the last 20 years, and then we moved on. And look at where we are as a social fabric now. Uncalibrated gossip is exactly the opposite of being oneness people in a two-ness world. It doesn't serve the evolutionary function in our context. It does just the opposite. It doesn't bring outliers back into the fold. It creates an environment for alienation and for depression and for anxiety and for eating disorders and for suicidal thoughts. Gossip is very difficult to calibrate. We are not our best selves when we are doing it. And in those moments, with that good feeling in our mouths, we unleash a powerful force not unlike nuclear energy. In the right context, it'll light up our cities without greenhouse gases. But in the wrong context, Chernobyl, Fukushima, wasteland cities. Well, we've got a lot more wasteland cities than we've got those that are lit up. So... The question, am I gossiping right? Here's a good way to think about it. Am I hearing something bad has happened to somebody? Am I hearing about somebody's worst day, somebody's bad behavior? Am I serving the natural selection purposes for gossip? Are my words creating an environment for learning? Are my words creating an environment for bringing people back into social cohesion, back into working together? Do my words create greater social solidarity? That was the function and purpose of gossip. Are we serving the function and purpose of gossip? Listen to this ancient wisdom. It's another pretty good rule of thumb. It's from Ephesians 4.29. 
Here's a way to serve both the natural selection purposes of gossip, learning and social cohesion, and avoid the Chernobyl wasteland side of gossip. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Out of your mouth. Now, what unwholesome means is unwhole, making it not whole, breaking it apart, that kind of talk. Don't do the tearing apart kind of talk. Don't do the dividing from kind of talk. Yeah, just don't do that. But don't do nothing either. Do something. When you hear something bad has happened, when you hear somebody has behaved badly, don't do nothing. Do something. Actually elevate the game and go after the purposes. Actually go after those natural selection objectives. Let your words, one translation says, let them help. Let your words be a gift. Let your words build other people up. Let, you, let your words find out what the need is and then do what you can to meet it, to benefit them, to rebuild the community that has been torn by this hurtful event. Create spaces for learning. Create spaces to build social cohesion. Am I gossiping right? That's gossiping right. Now, I've worked really hard to be a good husband. <laughs> but you know, ego. And you know, false self. And you know, truths that I believe that were not true enough. And Denise, who I love more than anyone on this earth, I have also hurt more than anyone on this earth. Now, fortunately, I've worked hard to learn from my mistakes. I hardly ever hurt her anymore. But in those early days, I did a bunch. And when I did, she needed to talk to people, and she needed to talk to people about me. <laughs> now, <clears throat> one of my things is not keeping my stuff hidden away. Actually, it says shit up there, but I decided I wasn't going to say that. I don't work hard to keep my shit hidden away. <laughs> keeping up appearances so that other people think nicely of me, that's just really not my thing. Consequently, I would actually encourage her to go talk to me, talk about me with her friends. And she knew going into it, she had my full permission. And it didn't take very long before she realized with whom she could have those kinds of conversations, with whom she could share juicy tidbits about me, and with whom she could not. And it turns out that dopamine-dependent people, no. But those Ephesians 4 people, she could find a few of them, and those were so, so helpful. People who could help her find a bigger picture and see a bigger truth and learn and then reconstitute social solidarity with me. Now, I heard her use this metaphor once a long, long time ago. My bad behavior plus her reaction to my bad behavior, it was like a surging electrical charge inside of her. And when she would talk with some people, they would respond, ooh, really? Tell me more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's bad. Really? He treated you like that? How could he treat you that way? People on dopamine dependency would take her electrical charge, add their own ego-inflamed electrical charge, and then put that charge out there on the wire and pass it on. Now, again, being talked about wasn't really our issue. That wasn't that. That wasn't the problem. The problem was she needed help. She needed a space where she could learn. She needed a space where she could reframe her thoughts, reframe her understanding. She needed a space where, that would serve as the functions that gossip we evolved for it to serve. She needed to learn and she needed to build stronger cohesion. And she needed what that text said. She needed to be in a space that would build her up, that would help her with discerning, that 
would help her realize, yeah, you should challenge him on that one. But that one, now you should let that one sit and just watch what happens. She needed a bigger picture to help her know, yeah, you really need to confront this. You cannot allow that. But this other thing, I think you need to keep the bigger picture in mind, and I think you need to put this into that perspective. She needed that kind of help, and dopamine-dependent people couldn't give her that kind of help. Electrical wire kind of people couldn't give her that kind of help. But the people that she did find who had picked up skills along the way, they did not add their electrical charge to hers and put it out on the wire. They actually did just the opposite. They became like a lightning rug. They would take her electrical charge, take it in, put it to ground. Helped her discharge all of her energy so that she could find her best self and think her clearest thoughts. And she could get into the mind space where learning happens. And she could get into the mind space where growing happens and where connections can be made and remade and restored. So are we gossiping right is really a question. Are we doing that? Are we going to one an- toward one another on our worst days? Are we going toward one another when we behave badly? Some tidbit comes our way. Can we do that Ephesians 4 thing for one another? It's harder. It's less instinctive. It's not hardwired into our reward system, but it is on the menu of possible choices. When we do the work, when we work the circle, when we reduce our dependence on our own natural selection brains, we become more able to do that kind of gossip. We become better able to help one another ground our electrical charges and create a what's there to learn here environment to help one another bring our wayward husbands back into the fold. And the capacity to do that, it's in here. It's in us. Ego's in there too. Uncalibrated gossip, also in there. Dopamine drivers, also in there, but so is diffusing one another's emotional tumult. It's also in there. So is standing with those who've had their worst day and whose worst day has broken their connection and broken their sense of belonging. We can go to them. We can stand with them. We can create for one another on our worst days learning spaces. We can help one another think creatively and bring the cast out back in. We can do that. Hearing a juicy story, we can develop another habit in response, another impulse, a move toward impulse a stand with on their awful day impulse. We can hear about a misbehavior and we can develop another habit, a creative way to help them back into the tribe habit. Here's some juicy tidbit and we can rise above our ego. We can become the anti-push outers. We can become the anti-excluders we can become the bring-inners and say to ourselves, oh, I just heard that. How are they doing? Oh, I just heard that juicy tidbit. 
I wonder how I could come alongside. If you've faced a disaster, you know. If you've behaved badly, you know. That could be me. So how do we gossip right? We move toward, we don't push away. We bring in, we don't keep out. We serve the evolutionary function. We help make one another's bad days learning days. We help keep the tribe intact. Now the group is much larger than it used to be, but the principle is the same. Without one another, we don't survive. One last bit of ancient wisdom. This is from a Jesus parable. Who among us, having a hundred sheep, loses one and doesn't leave the 99 to go after the one? Who among us, having found the lost sheep, doesn't pick it up and carry it home rejoicing? Of course we do. Let's gossip like that. So in dwelling divine, may we upon hearing somebody's worst day rise above our natural selection instincts and may we become bringers in of those whose behaviors and whose experiences have pushed them out. Amen. Will we all give online now? The donate button at the top of our website. Lots of ways to give if you're here in Raleigh or if you're joining us from far away, we're inviting you to take an ownership stake in the community. Remembering, as we say all the time, there is always a good return on our investment in spiritual community. When we give our time and our energy and our love and our dollars to the community, the community then takes those resources, amplifies them, and gives them back to us in the form of an environment in which we thrive and grow and flourish. So, we don't have a new home yet, but it's starting to feel like we might be getting close to one because we've heard so many no's. There's got to be a yes coming soon. <laughs> but when we get that yes, there's going to be some upfront costs. A simple example, we're probably going to have to change up our live streaming stuff. So those of you online, we're going to need your financial help to be able to keep live streaming. So if you're behind on your giving or if you haven't taken a financial stake in the community, now would be a good time to do that. Now in a minute, we're gonna dismiss you all on the live stream. We're gonna do what are you thinking here in the room now. You have heard starting May 1st, we're gonna start doing the same thing on Zoom. So please, May 1st, join in. Uh, it will be just what I said, an investment in community. When you Zoom in, you'll be giving your time and your energy and your presence. And so watch and see what happens in terms of return on investment. So as we go, if you would, please put your hand on your heart and let's remember that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. We all carry that capacity to be bringers in within us because we carry the divine spirit within us. And if you would extend your other hand to our city, let's look for opportunities to share what is already in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. We are dismissed. You are dismissed. We are not. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you'd like to take an ownership stake in the well-being of the community, we all contribute online. You'll find a donate button at the top of our website. See you next time. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you